Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk. How we doing? Morning, those of you that are watching online. Also, Happy New Year. Uh, Some of you I know, I heard uh, you came to church last week. And uh, you, are, you got to preach, you got to sing, you got to, you know, all the stuff. Uh, but we had a few, few people came last week, uh, and we had a service online. So people that got here, they uh, saw that there was no one here. They probably thought, did the rapture happen? And did we get, what happened here? Uh, it was our future events theology, was it, was it right? But no, it is good, good that everybody's back And uh, on a really, really cold day, I came outside this morning and my doors were literally frozen. I had to like yank on them, pour the hot water on it. So it was a, if you like cold weather, this was a good morning for you. Uh, As you uh, enter the new year, I don't know what you did. I hope you had an awesome Christmas and a really, really good time, maybe with family or friends. Uh, I know for us, we traveled to Alabama on New Year's Day, or no, on Christmas Day. And we spent some time there with my family. We had great conversations. We ate really good, but really terrible for you food. Uh, Quite often, my wife was telling some people this morning that there was a day she ate ice cream for lunch and then ate ice cream again later that night. And it was just one of those vacations where we had some good time, good rest. But one of the things that I did, and I don't know, maybe you do this automatically as you enter the new year is I found myself uh, late at night, early in the morning, kind of thinking about this past year. And I just naturally, as I get to the end of the year, and I know some of you are wired this way too, you just kind of naturally look back and and evaluate uh, the past year. You evaluate how things went. And then as you move into the new year, you begin to maybe think about the new year and and ask yourself some questions. And I I found myself doing that. And as I've gotten older, and for those of you that are my age or older, maybe you would say the same thing. It seems like years go faster. And so that pushes me even more to really use the days that I have and the years that I have, use them well, steward them well. And so I, I found myself asking questions like, what do I want to be remembered for? Like when this whole thing's over, when, when I'm no longer here on earth, man, what do I want to be remembered for? I asked myself some questions and I just spent time thinking about, hey, what's most important to me? What do I value most? I asked questions about, hey, what is God's word saying to me? What is God's word? How is God's word pricking my heart? Where do I feel God moving in my life? What am I, have I said no to God in certain areas? And I I just find myself asking as I get to the end of the year and moving into the new year, asking some of those big questions because for me, and maybe you would say the same thing if you're watching online or you're here this morning. I have to ask myself those questions because I tend to drift. 
I tend to drift. And if I don't remember what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, I find myself drifting. And for me, I usually don't drift towards good things. I don't drift into walking with Jesus closer. I don't drift into unselfishly loving my family. I don't drift into using my finances and resources wisely. If I'm drifting, I'm usually drifting away from things that are healthy. And so I have to ask myself those questions. And maybe you would say, if you're honest, that you would say, you know what, Chris? When I drift, I don't necessarily drift towards the salad bar either. I drift towards the donut bar. And, and, and probably, if we're honest, we would all say, yeah, there's times in my life, Chris, when I forget maybe why I'm doing something, I get tired or weary, I find myself drifting, and then I look up and I think, how did I get here? Or how did all this get here? You know, all these questions we ask. And it's, it's so important that whether you're an individual, which obviously we all are, or whether you're thinking about it from a, like an organization standpoint, that we ask ourselves these questions that sometimes are uncomfortable, but that we remind ourselves what we value, why we do what we do. It's so important in kind of the church world, and, and here's why, and maybe you've experienced this. Countless churches start well. And countless churches, there's churches start well all the time. And they have a season or two where they're really focused on reaching the community. They're really focused on, on doing what they set out to do, what God called them to do. But then a season or two down the road, what happens in many cases is the focus on doing what God had called them to do, doing what they were passionate about from the beginning, they find themselves veering onto other agendas. They find themselves veering and, and the church becomes a place for apathetic Christians to go after personal agendas instead of staying very mission focused. See... And here's the thing on this, no church and no person means for that to happen. No dad wakes up at the beginning of a new year and says, you know what, this is the year that I'm going to veer into adultery. This is the year where we're going to make a total train wreck of our finances, this is the year that, man, I'm going to ruin my relationship with my children. No organization sets out to, you know what, this is the year when we're, man, instead of going this way, we start going this way, and what we love and what's been successful and what has, has, has been kind of what we've been about, we're going to totally go away from that, and it's going to get really ugly. No one sets out to do that. No church sets out to do that. No person sets out to do that. But what happens is we've forget why we started, we forget what's most important to us as individuals and even as a church. And it's why at the beginning of this year, we're going to lean into God's word and we're going to remind ourselves from God's word what we value as a church. You may know this, you may not know this, when we started City Walk, we 
laid out, prayerfully laid out seven values. Not, not values that just sounded cool, not values that, oh, this is something that looks good on a poster. No, values that we felt like, this is what God's word says. This is what God's word is directing us to do. And so we laid out seven values that would be what dictates, what drives, what moves us forward. It would become the why behind the what. And so what we're going to do over these next few weeks is we're going to remind ourselves from God's word what some of those values are. And the first one that we're going to start out with today is a value that is just pretty simple, a value of courage. And here's how we said this, and here's how we say it here. We are not called to safety, but to obedience in our daily life. This is kind of how when we say, hey, we value courage. Courage drives what we do as a church. Here's what we mean. We're not called to safety, to comfort, to what what feels the best, what's easiest. We're called to obedience. So we don't ask ourselves the question, what is comfortable? We ask ourselves the question, what has God called us to do? There's a guy in the scriptures, and and maybe you've heard of him. If you grew up in church, you probably heard of him. You may have seen him on a flannel graph board. If you grew up in vacation Bible school or something, you remember the stories of him. He's a guy by the name of Joshua. And Joshua was a guy that understood what it was like to have to live a life of obedience and courage when it would have been a lot easier to move into and lean into something that was much more comfortable. If you have your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen, we're going to be in Joshua, the the book of Joshua. We're going to be in in chapter 1. And to, to give you a little history, if you don't know who Joshua is, Joshua was a guy that when he was born, his nation, the nation of Israel, had been in slavery for hundreds of years. So he was born as a slave, his grandpa was born as a slave, his great-grandpa was born as a slave. It's just kind of what they knew. It had been hundreds of years since they were free. And God sent a guy by the name of Moses. He said to Moses, Moses, my people, they are enslaved. They've been enslaved to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. I want you to be the one to lead them out of slavery. You've probably heard of Moses. Moses was that guy that God asked to do that. And Moses, as he was doing what God told him to do, and Moses had to be a courageous leader. There were times he was very scared. There were times he questioned God. But in the midst of doing what he had been called to do, he, for whatever reason, chose Joshua to be an assistant to him. He chose Joshua to kind of mentor and kind of bring along. And so early on in the journey, you see this guy Joshua being mentioned around Moses as an assistant to Moses. And what happened with this nation is when this nation left Egypt, God had provided a land for them. He called it the promised land. It was a land that they hadn't earned A land that they probably didn't deserve, but a special land that God said, hey, I'm going to take you out of of slavery, and I've provided you a beautiful land for the nation. And it should have taken them about two weeks to get from Egypt to this land. 
But because of their sin, it took them 40 years. And Joshua was in the mix of all this. It took them 40 years. At the end of this 40 years, you get to a spot where, man, they're, they're at the end of this 40 years. They finally, God's about to allow them to go into this promised land. Joshua's still kind of assisting Moses. And Moses comes to a point in his life where it is very clear now that he's not going to go into the promised land, that God is going to take him home, and that now Joshua is going to be handed the reins of this nation, and he's going to be the one to lead this nation. In fact, Moses, it was one of the things he was concerned about. Because he had led these people all the way up to the promised land. And so he goes to God and he says, God, provide a leader. Provide someone to take the reins. Look at Numbers chapter 27. It'll be on the screen. You can hear what Moses says to God. Moses, it says, Moses appealed to the Lord. May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all, appoint a man over this community. This community is now 2 million people. So we're not talking like a little neighborhood. We're talking about an entire nation. And it says, who will go out before them and come back in before them and who will bring them out and, and bring them in so that the Lord's community won't be like sheep without a shepherd. So Moses, like God, and it, for whatever reason, it wasn't to him obvious that Joshua was the guy because he, he's at the end of his kind of leadership and he knows his time's over. Joshua's around him, but he goes to God and says, God, provide a shepherd, provide a leader. And the, this is what God said to him in verse 18. It says this, the Lord replied to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man who has the spirit in him. And lay your hands on him. And this idea of laying, it's not like lay your hands on him, like duke it out with him. When you lay your hands on him, he's basically saying, hey, I want you to endorse Joshua as the new leader. The the leader that you want, the shepherd that you want me to provide, I've already provided him. His name's Joshua. You know him well. Lay your hands on him. Let Let the people know that he is the new leader says this, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua, had him stand before the priest, Eleazar, and the entire community, two million people, a lot of people. He laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord had spoken through Moses. And it wasn't long after Moses did this that God took Moses home. That Moses, he died, he passed away. And now Joshua, it gets real for Joshua really quick. He's been kind of the second guy, the assistant. Let me carry your bags. What do you need, Moses? You want cream in your coffee? And now he has the reins of the entire nation. And he's being asked to do what he's only heard about. That, that he, he's heard all his life about this land and how God's going to lead them into it. And he's been following this leader, Moses. And now the, the reins are in his hands and it's his time to do this. And so Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant... The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people 
prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. So Moses, your guy, your leader, the guy that you followed, your, you, you were his assistant. He's, no, he's not coming back. He's gone. He's gone. And, and now you are going to prepare all these people to, to cross over the Jordan. It was a body of water, the Jordan River. You're going to cross over this river, and, and you're going to lead these people to this promised land. And it says this in verse 3. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. See, God makes clear. He says, you know what? The land is yours. I've been promising you guys this land for hundreds of years, even thousands of years. This land is yours, but you have to go take it. It's provided for you. The promises that I made to Moses are the same for you. The land's right there. you got to cross over the Jordan River to get to it. It's provided for you, but you have to believe me. You have to obey me, and you have to go take the land. See, all throughout Scripture, if you read throughout Scripture, there's this seemingly way that God works. He, he seems to work in ways just like this, where he always has good things for his kids, Everything God does, even if we don't understand it, he has good in mind for his kids. He provides for his kids. He takes care of his kids. He promises not to leave them. But he also doesn't force his kids to take the good he provides. See, his kids have to believe and trust him and obey. It's provided, but they have to believe and trust him and take it. Joshua, the land, it's got your name on it. I've already taken care of all the details, but you got to trust me. You got to believe that I'm good, and you have to go take it. And then in this next verse, and this is like a conversation that God's having with Joshua, he, he gives Joshua a little bit more of the details. He says this in verse 4, he says, your territory, kind of here's, here's the boundaries of the land, will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. And then he says this, he says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. That's a pretty big promise. And then he says this, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Uh, you, you, you watch me have a special relationship with Moses. You watch me commune with Moses in a way that I didn't commune with anything, anybody else. Well, that relationship I had with Moses, I'm going to have that special relationship with you as well. And then he says this, and this is a promise he gave to Joshua, and he has also given to us later in Scripture. He says this, he says, I will not leave you or abandon you. I'm not going anywhere. On your best day, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. On your worst day, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to abandon you. 
I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you. And, and you know this. Maybe you're watching online. You've experienced something like this. When you face a trial, and some of you are right now. Some of you, I know some of your stories. And I've had times in my life where I've had some, man, different trials, different issues. Maybe you're watching online and you're going through something right now. There, there's something about knowing that someone is going to walk with you. That's so encouraging. It doesn't mean that the trial is going to go away. It doesn't even mean that it's going to get easier. But there's something about having somebody, and you've experienced this. You've, you've had that person walk with you, or you've walked with somebody else as they've experienced some tough time. And to know that there's somebody there, they, they don't have, they're not there to give you all the answers, but they're there to be with you through the tough time. There's something about that that is encouraging and it really helps you and I walk through what's usually really tough. And Joshua, he would literally spend the rest of his life doing what God said he was going to do. This taking the land, this fighting different armies, this all the things he had to do. This was going to be the rest of his life. And God says, you know what, it's going to It's going to be some good days. It's going to be some bad days. In fact, I'm God, so I already know what it's going to look like. But Joshua, through it all, I'm not leaving you. My power's going nowhere. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm with you. I'm with you through it all. And then he says this in verse 6. Based on the fact that I'm going to be with you, And I'm not going to abandon you. Here's what I want you to do. Be strong and courageous. For you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. Because, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. Because my power is going to be with you. Because I'm not going to abandon you, Joshua. I'm calling you to be strong and courageous. You're going to not only take this land, but you're going to do something else. You're actually going to split this land up between the 12 tribes. You're going to allot different lands to the different tribes. It's going to be a huge job, and you've got to be strong and courageous. Because through it all, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'll have your back. Then he goes on in verse 7. And this is a really, really important thing. First two words here, above all. Hmm. So you've just told me to, I'm going to take this land that you've promised our nation. That's a pretty big deal. Like you're going to give us this land and it's, it's go time. Then you just told me that part of my role is also going to be not just to take this land, but I'm actually going to be kind of the administrator of it. I'm going to split this land up between 12 tribes and I'm going to allot out land. I mean, this is a huge job. But now you're telling me there's something even more important than that? Above all, you're about to tell me what's even more important than that? He says this. He says, above all, there's something more important than the task of taking and distributing the land. And God tells him what it is. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction My servant Moses commanded you. See, Moses, before he died, had 
penned. I don't know if it was actually a pen or how he wrote, but he, he had written probably Genesis through Deuteronomy. So if you take your Bible, if you have a, a Bible and it, it's not a phone or even on your phone, you look at the first few books of the Bible, you're going to see Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's, it's considered, some people call it the law of Moses. It's what we believe Moses wrote this, obviously, before he died. And so here's what God's saying to Joshua. More important than taking the land, which is going to be big and hard, but I'm going to be with you, and I've already given it to you, but it's, it's not going to be cakewalk. Bigger than taking all that land once you've gotten it and actually splitting it up and making sure everybody's happy and all the 12 tribes get their land. More important than that. You're going to need strength and courage to observe carefully what I told Moses. You're, you're going to need strength and courage to listen and obey my word. And he says this. He says, do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. Joshua, the, the success of your life and leadership will be determined by your response to God's word. In fact, trusting God and obeying his word will be the task you will need strength and courage for most. Then he goes on in verse 8 and he says this. He says, this book of instruction, this, this book of this, God's word, Genesis through Deuteronomy, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Joshua, you need to talk about what I've said. You need to talk about my word. He says, you are to meditate on it day and night. You're not only to talk about it, but you need to think about it. You need to have my word on your mind. You need to meditate on it. And then he says this, so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. Joshua, you're going to need to talk about it. You're going to need to think about it so that you can live it out, so that you can do what it says. And Joshua, more important than the land, more important than distributing it, more important than all these big things, you're going to need strength and courage to believe my word, to meditate on my word, and to live out my word. You're going to need it. And in fact, the success of your life and leadership actually is going to be determined by how well you do that. He says, for then, and, and he says it this way, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. So if I'm a good general, if, I, if I'm a good fighter, if I organize people well, no, 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 no. The success of your life, the, whether you prosper or not, whether you succeed or not, it's not going to come down to any of that. What it's going to come down to is, do you believe, meditate on, and obey what I've told you? That's what it's going to come down to. And then he says this almost as a, if you didn't hear me the first time, he says this, verse 9, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The task is daunting. 
It's going to take the rest of your life. But you do not need to fear. You don't need to be discouraged because I'm with you. See, when we think about courage, when you, you, know, you think about that word, bravery, whatever it kind of comes to your mind, when you think about courage, whether it's as a church or as an individual, sometimes we focus, find, kind of find ourselves naturally thinking about big things, big goals, big steps out of our comfort zone. I, I need courage, and, and, and rightfully so. Uh, yeah, I need courage for those, those big things that, that are on my heart, those dreams, those goals, the, the thing that, man, is outside of my comfort zone that I feel like God's pushing me to do. And, and sometimes when we think about courage, we kind of focus on those things. But, but here's the thing. Courage is obviously needed in these cases. But sometimes we forget, and this is what God's really pushing on my heart this year, this next statement. Courage to do the unknown grows when we have courage to do what we already know. Sometimes we think, I need courage to do the big thing, to push me out of my comfort zone, to do the thing I've never done before. All the while, courage to do those things actually comes when we have courage to do the things we've already been told to do. And it takes courage to do those. That's why we don't always do them. We would never say it this way, but man, we're afraid. We're afraid to do what we already have been told to do. We're afraid. We, we fear. We're, we question God about the things that he's told us a hundred times. And all the while, God's saying, you know what? If you would just have courage to do what I've already told you, you'd probably have courage to do the big things that you're thinking about as well. And this is something that, as I said, that God has been kind of working on my heart as I've thought about this new year. See, Joshua, he would spend the next several years of his life, he'd defeat armies, big armies. He'd take new ground. He'd courageously lead the nation. In fact, you can read the rest of the book of Joshua and you'll, you'll read how all this takes place. Yet God made clear to him his success would not be based on his courage to fight, his courage to lead, his courage to take ground. His success and the success of the nation would be determined by whether he had the courage to believe and obey what God had already told them to do. Just to believe and obey God's word. Throughout the scripture, God seems to give courage to people to do heroic things when they've already had courage to do ordinary things. If you, you look through scripture, ah, David, you, you went after Goliath. Well, he also spent years in, in kind of a pasture with a sheep, probably bored to tears, but just having courage to do just the ordinary. So when Goliath came into the picture, it was just the next right thing to do because he had already had courage to do a lot of small things. And throughout Scripture, these, these big things that we read about, and wow, how God worked. These are just ordinary people that God has given extraordinary courage to because they were faithful doing 
things that he had already told many of them to do. And as we enter this new year, and again, I've, these are things that I've been working over in my own heart. Maybe you have big dreams. Maybe you have goals. Maybe you have a great system set up to accomplish those goals. And all that's good. But what if, what if the success of our year had very little to do with courageously going after big goals and it had much more to do with courageously doing what God had already told us to do? What if at the end of this year, whether you look back and think 2024 was successful or not, what if it had little to do with you doing something big that you've never done? And maybe it will. Maybe God's calling you to do that. I mean, he's calling our church to do some of that. But, but what if the success of our year had maybe 10% to do with that? And the other 90% was us just having the courage to do the ordinary things that God had already told us to do. You're like, man, Chris, what do you, what do you mean? Give me, let me give you some, some practical things. For those of you that are married, what if this is the year that you have the courage to go out on a date with your spouse every week? It's, it, oh, been, we need to date. We need to get a date night back on the calendar. And, and it's on your mind. And oh, yeah, we need to do that. But, but you just haven't had the courage to just put it on the calendar and do it faithfully. And what, what if this is the year that just in your marriage you just said, you know what? I'm just going to have the courage to put a date night on the calendar. What if, what if in your marriage this is the year you just said, you know what? I'm going to have the courage to call the counselor. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about counseling, and I've, I know I need it, and it would be helpful to us, but I put it off, put it off, put it off. What if this was the year you just called the counselor and said, you know what? We want to have a thriving marriage, and we just need some help. That would be a courageous thing that would change your year. What about parenting? I mean, if you're a parent, and I am, it definitely takes some courage it takes a lot of courage and a, a few other things too, but a lot of courage. But, but think about parenting. What, what if this is the year that, you know what? Like we're done with all the distractions that life throws. We're going to try to reduce distractions and get back to discipling our children. Get back to walking with our children into a growing relationship with Jesus. There's, there's some distractions and, and people-pleasing stuff that we're doing this to please this person. We're doing this so that this group's happy with us. What if I just said, you know what? I'm going to have some courage this year in my parenting, and, and there's a few things I just need to move some distractions out so I can get back to just doing what God's already called me to do as a dad or mom, just discipling my kids. What if, and you're like, oh, of course you're going to talk about money, Chris. What, let's talk about finances. What, what if this is a year that you really believed that everything you have is from God? And so, you know what? We know that we should probably give and be generous, but just haven't had the courage to do that. And this year, we're just going to have the courage. It, it takes courage to be generous. What if this was that year? What about community? 
Man, what if, what if this is a year that, you know what, like, we're, we're going to make church a priority. And we're going to do something even more awkward than that. I'm actually going to join a community group. I'm going to get in a group. I'm going to get in a city group. I'm going to, it's good for me. It's good for my kids. I'm gonna, we're just going to make community. We're going to quit not be audience members anymore. We're going to make it community. And we're just going to, we're going to just make it. We're going to have the courage to do that. God's laid it on your heart. It's been in the back of your mind. And it's just, I just haven't had the courage to do it. Well, now I'm going to have the courage to just do what God's already encouraged me to do. That I know is going to be good for me. And the list goes on. You're like, Chris, move on. I know. I, I had to study this stuff. So I'm getting pelted by God as I'm going through this myself. And there is a bunch of other things I was thinking of for myself. I just, sometimes, and I was just having this conversation with somebody in the parking lot. Sometimes I think we tend to overthink things when sometimes God, when he's laying something on our heart, we just need to say yes. Just need to do it. Let's think about our church. If, you're, if you call City Walk Home, you know that in our DNA from day one, before we had our very first service as a church, our leadership team was already talking and praying about what does it look like to plant another church location or help other churches plant in different parts of the world and the country and in our country and in the world. And, and here's the thing. It would be much more comfortable not to reach new people by planting a church in Edgewater in a few months. It would be so much easier. It really would. It'd be a lot easier to not send some of our best people to another church location. It'd be much easier to just keep them here. It would be so much more comfortable financially if we just padded our savings account and put all of our money into getting a permanent location instead of trying to get a permanent location and also planting churches. It would be easier. It would be much more comfortable. But we can't because we value courage and because we are not called to safety, to comfort, to easy, but to obedience. And God has told us in his word to be a church that multiplies. It's the way he set it up in Acts. So we have to obey not when we're ready, not when the bank account's so full we have no worries, but we have to obey when it's not always easy or comfortable. So what if, what if this was the year that you and I decided to embrace courage in the ordinary areas of our life? Yeah, maybe God wants you to do something big and crazy, and maybe we're going to read about you in the newspaper for good things, hopefully. Man, maybe he does. Maybe, man, you, maybe God is going to just elevate you in different ways, and you're going to have incredible opportunities to influence, and you're going to be all over the place. Maybe, maybe you've got some really big things that God wants you to do this year. But, but what if, 
We put our time just focusing our courage and our energy just in doing the ordinary things in life. Man, how would your life, how would my life, how would my family, how would your family be different if we courageously obeyed what God had already told us to do? Let's pray. As we close up this part of our service, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here with us this morning, maybe you're someone that says, you know what, Chris, I'm a follower of Jesus. There's been a time in my life where I have accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm a follower of His. As you evaluate your life, just between you and God, nobody's looking around, it's just very real personal time. As you evaluate life, would you say you've had courage to obey God in the ordinary? Just maybe think about this last year. Maybe marriage, if you're married, relationships, finances, community. Maybe it's something I didn't even mention. But have you? Would you say, yeah, man, I've, I've done really good at that? Or, or maybe you're like me and you say, you know what, Chris, I, I haven't haven't done as good in some of the ordinary things, haven't had courage in some of the ordinary things. And as we talk through courage today, has God brought maybe one or two specific areas to your heart, to your life, that you just feel him pressing, just just kind of pressing on your heart? Maybe even right now, maybe you're watching online. What area is it? What areas he pressing on your heart? Just, hey, take a step. Have some courage in this area. What is it? And if he is, and if he's not, don't make something up. But if he is, are you willing to obey him? Are you willing to say, okay, yeah, God, got you, clear. And if so, what what specific step, what step can you take maybe in this next 48 hours to just move in the direction of having courage in a specific area that's God pressed on your heart? What step? Maybe for you, it's God's laid something on your heart. He's laid a step down and, and you just need to maybe open up your phone and maybe open up the notes app or maybe just write that down. Maybe you're taking notes in your Bible. Just Maybe just write down maybe what that specific step is so that tomorrow, tonight, you can come back to it. Put a little more thought and prayer into it. Maybe you're here, you're watching online, and you would say, Chris, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never, I've never become a follower of Jesus. Maybe you know a lot about Jesus. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you, even, you were even baptized when you were a little kid or a baby. But there's never been a time in your life where you stepped over the line of faith and asked Jesus to be your Savior. And that would be the first and most courageous step that you could take as you begin 2024. You say, Chris, how would I do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, you just need to tell God. You just need to talk to God from your heart to God. Just from your heart to God, in this moment, wherever you're watching this, just, just tell God, God, I, 
I admit to you, I've disobeyed you. I admit to you, I've sinned. I've done things my way. Just, just tell God, be honest. Just your heart to his. And then just tell God, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus, your son, died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. I believe that. Just tell him. And then just ask him, God, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. I am going to follow you. Just tell him. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you made that decision, as I was talking out loud, you were talking to God from your heart to his. If you made that decision, we would love to know about that. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc. There's a decision card you can fill out. For those of you that are here with us this morning, there's a decision card right in front of you that I would encourage you to take, fill out, and just drop in the offering basket on your way out. We'll contact you this week. We want to rejoice with you. Make sure if you have questions, want to answer those. We want to just really celebrate with you. God, I thank you that we don't have to have courage on our own. In fact, we can't. But because your son Jesus was courageous, because he went to the cross, because he took our sin upon him, because when he went to the grave, he didn't stay there, because he's alive today, we can have courage because of him. And so, God, I pray that you would work in each one of our hearts, that you would press on our hearts where we need to obey you in the ordinary. And God, we pray that you would use us as individuals and as a church to expand your kingdom in Yuba Sutter, the West, and the world. In Jesus' name, amen.